Hey, everybody. I am Stephanie Goss, and this is not another episode of the Uncharted Podcast. So normally this is where I would be telling you guys about this week's episode, and I'm going to do that, but I have to do it in a slightly different way this week because unfortunately, uh, we had a technology snafu on our team, and I'm going to own this one. Uh, We had some episodes saved up for you guys because we are heading into a super busy season as a team, and I'm going to talk about that in a second. But I was doing some cleanup in our team, Google Drive, and I learned very painfully the value of having backups of your files because I was removing some things that I thought were duplicates in my drive. And it turns out that they were actually the original files in our shared drive. And so although I think you guys would be very amused by listening to Andy's one-sided conversation that we had uh, for this episode, I think we'll redo it for you. And I think you'll get a lot more out of it if we both participate together. So um, the episode that we had planned to run this week is going to run here in the next couple of weeks. But uh, for now, we're going to share a Hall of Fame episode with you guys. I'm um, excited to pick this one and share it with you. But um, the reason that we had a stockpile of episodes that we were picking from is because we're heading into a super busy time for our team. You know, we had two big events in October. We had our first ever Uncharted Culture Conference. Andy and I did a multi-day workshop with some amazing area chiefs of staff from Banfield that we've been working with this last year and had a lot of fun with those guys. We, uh, I just finished doing a new workshop, new content on communication vulnerability, emotions. Uh, That was so, so much fun. And this Friday, actually, two members of our team, our social media dynamic duo, the brains and beauty behind the social media for Uncharted Vet and DrAndyRourke.com, Tyler Grogan and Kelsey Beth Carpenter are leading a workshop on content calendars that will cure your creative burnout. So they have put their brains together and come up with an awesome class for you guys on how to not get burned out thinking about your social media calendar, how to keep being creative and how to do it in an organized fashion. And so that is actually coming up this Friday, November 12th. It's from 2 to 3.30 p.m. Eastern time. And it is free to Uncharted members. It's $99 for members of the public. And you can register for that over on the website. Still registration closes for that though uh, tomorrow on November 11th. So if you haven't registered and you want to attend or you have somebody on your team who covers social media who you think might benefit from it, you can still head over to Uncharted Vet dot com forward slash events and sign up through the 11th. So get on that one. Um, That's happening this week. We have got uh, we have got our first ever um, oh ever being this current year, our first time back in person. It feels like our first ever because it's been so freaking long. We have not been together in person in almost two years, and we are getting ready to head back in together and be together in person in Greenville, South Carolina. We have our first in-person practice owner summit happening in December. It is December 2nd through the 4th. And... Um, The summit is something that I have been looking forward to for quite some time. We planned to do the first one last year, and unfortunately, the world had other ideas. And so we wound up doing it virtually, and it was a lot of fun, but I am so looking forward to getting together. The summit is different from our normal conferences. It is a lot less uh, planned content, and uh, we are creating more of the conference together as a group because we see the magic in coming together in building trust 
and getting real about what's going on in our practices. And our goal is that we use our choose your own adventure format and we are going to flesh out what do our practice owners need to talk about um, and how do we connect them to each other so that they create a foundational support system of shoulders to lean on and brains to pick when they need help. And I am so, so excited about spending a few days together with practice owners. If you are a practice owner listener and you have not signed up for the summit, you can still register. Registration for that is closing. It is closing on Monday, November 15th. And so you have a very short window. But if you are a member who has not been reading your emails and haven't signed up yet, if you're a Canadian member and you've been waiting, we were so pumped to hear that the border is reopening this week and that international travel is allowed again because we have a lot of Canadian practice owners who are really looking forward to joining us and you can now sign up uh, and join us. I'm looking forward to seeing everybody. I was very sad at the prospect of not having our friends from the North with us. So um, we are holding out registration for another couple of days until Monday the 15th to give uh, those members and people who haven't um, registered yet a time to sign up. So this is your last chance, last call. Uh, don't You don't want to miss it. It's going to be a lot of fun. After that, we've got another workshop coming in December. Hot on the heels of that, one of my dearest friends, Jen Galvin, who is a practice manager and practice owner. Uh, she is one of the greatest gifts that Uncharted has given me in my personal life. She is just a rad person. And what I love about Jen is that she leads her hospital and her team the exact same way she lives her life, which is openly and honestly, um, and just with a very, let's, let's do this, let's be honest kind of attitude. And she is bringing that to the table to share a workshop about uh, learning how to have fun with your team. So if you struggle to um, figure out how to play with the team, how to reward them, how to engage them in a way that feels like it resonates. Jen did this workshop for us when we were in person, and it has been one of the most requested repeat workshops that we have had. And so she has put together a virtual version of this that is going to be happening December 12th from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Again, that is one that is free to Uncharted members, and it is $99 for members of the public. And you can register to join us. I'm going to be wingman for her that day. I'm super excited about it. We're going to have a lot of fun talking about team engagement and how to how to get silly, how to play, how to have a little fun with our teams because it matters. It makes a big difference. And so anyways, we've got all of that stuff coming. We're heading into a, a crazy couple of months as a team. And so I was really relying on our um, stockpile of episodes. And quite unfortunately, uh, I allowed the dog to eat my homework this week. And so I'm sorry, but I have gone into the vaults and have looked at uh, some of our favorite episodes because next week is actually going to be our 150th episode, which is fun. Um, and that made me think, you know, we've, we've done a lot of good stuff that I'm really proud of over the years that Andy and I have been doing this podcast together. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to pick an episode that I really enjoy. And so this happens to be one that uh, was a big episode for us. It was our hundredth episode, but that's not why it sticks out in my mind. Um, this one sticks out for me because it is one where Andy and I started out the podcast uh, pretty wildly disagreeing on what to do about this topic. And so I felt like it was a really good example of how we try and be honest with each other and 
and uh, walk our talk. And so we disagree. And then I think we work together pretty well to come together in the middle and find some common ground as the episode goes on. So let's get into this. Let's talk about when bad reviews come in on Sunday. And now the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me and Stephanie. I don't have a song picked out, guys. <laughs> I knew that would happen. It was only a matter of time before I got here and thought and panicked as I was doing the introduction. Oh. I... <laughs> And I could just throw out something. I was like, ah, Stephanie, imagine all the people, guys. <laughs> I love it. Oh. How's it going, Andy? Oh, it's, it's good. It's all downhill from here. I got to say. <laughs> Based on the opening, uh, no, it's not so great. <laughs> We're going to have to really pick this up. <laughs> it's going to get better. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm feeling real optimistic. We're, we're pretty much working with an acorn here that's got nothing to do but grow into a tree. Incredible potential for improvement right now is what I'm is what I'm feeling. Nowhere to go but up. Exactly. I am super excited about this one because I think this is probably something that neither you or I know anything about. Nope. From our <laughs> from our personal lives and our personal styles. <laughs> I'm excited to uh, to dive into this question. It was interesting. I was asked in one of the manager groups that I participated in, and it was a manager who was like, "How." does everybody handle bad reviews? And so I was like, ooh, this is a good one. I like talking about this. And so I read on. And as I read on, I realized that this person actually didn't want to know the mechanics of how do they reply to bad reviews. But they went on to say that they had a situation where a client posted a bad review on Google and on Facebook. Totally makes sense. So this manager is not working. They're off the clock, but they get notifications on their phone. So now they feel obligated to address the review that was posted over the weekend. It was a client who had a bad experience and had something actually that needed to be addressed. But the client was also just being mean and it sounded like kind of ranty. And so this manager was like, you know, I work in a practice where the expectation is that I respond. What I want to say back to the client is <laughs> right in this moment is probably not nice and professional. And so I'm wondering how everybody else handles it. But the question here was not actually like, what is the verbiage that you use when you don't agree with something that a client is posting on a review, which is what I was expecting the, the question to be. Um, what they actually wanted to know was, what are, what are you doing? Are you commenting back even though you're off and you're not in the office? Are you calling this client over the weekend? Are you letting it wait until Monday? Like, what are you doing? And so as I was reading this, I'm like, oh, and I started thinking about a response in my head and I recognized my answer has nothing to do with the actual logistics of answering a bad review from a client. My answer was all about boundaries and how to have them. <laughs> And so I thought, you know what, this is a good one for Andy and I to talk about because you and I are both the kind of people that have a tendency to let our work lives bleed into our personal lives. And, yep. <laughs> and so I think we both have some personal experience with this one. No, I agree. This is, this is a little bit complicated. And I think it's going to be something that more and more and more of us are going to have to wrestle with. Let's, so let, let's get in the headspace here. I, I, like, I like this in that the post is quite candid and they were like, 
he had a legitimate complaint and we're going to have to work on that. And I think that that's really important. There are complaints that you're going to get and you're going to get some bad reviews that are accurate. The last one-star review I saw, I was looking at a restaurant and there was a one-star review and it said, no one here wears masks, including the employees. If you don't want to, if you don't, if you want to eat at a place where people wear masks, don't come here. And in my experience, walking by the place, that's true. The people, you know, people don't wear masks. I'm not here to start a mask argument. But if someone says, I don't like this because of blank thing and blank thing is the is the business model, then that's a that's an accurate review. And there are times when people are going to come and they're going to say, I didn't like the, you know, a thing that happened. And and you go, yep, that unfortunately, that is what happened. You know, we're we're humans. We're working with animals. You know what I mean? Um, we can't control all of things and it just you know sometimes there are honest reviews and and sometimes there are are garbage reviews as well and no it's just sort of interesting i i i like the fact that they're like look not there was some stuff that happened and we are going to work on it so so that's fine right well and i think here's here's my take on that i i love that this manager recognized that because i think that their question about how do you handle reviews like this from the client is a really good one because my personal experience is when you start addressing reviews like this and you start addressing them swiftly and often giving everybody reply and making them feel heard, you create a stepping stone to the ultimate environment, which for me, what I consider the ultimate is I want these clients to feel like they can pick up the phone and call the clinic and ask for me and Mm -hmm. talk about it with me before they post a review online. I want to hear about it. And what I found in my own personal experience was creating an environment where clients felt like they could give us feedback and could call if they had a problem created this ability to kind of put a roadblock between the bad reviews where they actually had a legitimate issue with something that happened in their visit and giving us feedback. And what I have found, the the result is I get a lot less of the reviews where someone is telling us about something we actually could have done better or could have improved on or something that is fixable. I filter out a lot of those. And instead, I have the two opposite extremes of the spectrum, which is clients that are super thrilled and had five-star experiences and the kind of one-star reviews that people can self-filter through and see that this person is ranting and that maybe there's some a little bit of special to this review. And so those are the reviews that I, as a consumer, when I go on Yelp and I, like you said, you're looking at a restaurant and you're like, there's a whole lot of five stars and then there's a little bit of crazy. It's pretty easy to kind of flip past that and say, I'm calling a spade a spade. And I think that by responding to those reviews often and fast, we create that environment where our clients feel like they can reach out to us. We need to do other things as well, but that's a great stepping stone. And so I love that this manager was asking that question. Yeah, no, I think that's good. All right, let's let's start with some headspace. So let's talk about online reviews just real quick. Okay. When we started having online reviews and they became mainstream, I think that we felt very protective of our online reviews. And we still do. I mean, and and I'll get into that in a second. But when we first started out, I think a lot of people looked at online reviews and were like, wow, this is what people think. And as time has gone on, we have come to realize that the internet is a cesspool. It is a terrible place with angry people saying hurtful things for reasons that are beyond our knowledge. And I'm sorry, I'm just being honest. Uh, The public internet is a horrible, toxic place. 
place, in my opinion. That's Twitter. That's Facebook. That's just there's just a lot of angry people um, with access to grind and just beating up on bullying people for whatever reason. And that's just we just see a ton of that. The good part of that, of, of, of I think of, I think at this point, almost all of us have realized that is that I don't know that many people look at reviews as gospel anymore. In fact, there was a research study out of Stanford that looked at online reviews and said a five-star average review is not the best review that you can get because people don't trust, uh, you know, five-star reviews. You know, if every, if you have a business and it's all five stars, people do not trust it. They don't, they must, this thing must be brand new. That's their friends that wrote this, blah, blah, blah. The most trusted review is a 4.8. 4.8 means that you have a 4.8 with a good number of reviews. It's like, yeah, some people are not going to like this. You can take the most popular movie in the world. You can take your favorite movie in the world. There were critics that didn't like it. And that is just the way it is. So the expectation in normal people that are, they don't own the business, they're not invested in it, is that there are going to be some people who do not like the service. I mean, think about yourself, go look at reviews on Amazon of a product that you love, you will see people that did not like it. And so I, I say that because I think it hopefully helps put things into perspective. The expectation is that some people will have a bad experience or they won't like what you're doing or whatever. Okay. So I do, I do put that forward. The reality for a lot of us, you know, is that online reviews for our clinic fall into two categories. They either fall into a review for the clinic, which is just an, a thing that you can look at, or they fall into the category of being a vote for your self-identity. They, they're almost like this personal attack. And I think a lot of it depends on the role that you are. So so for for example, if I punch the clock at a, at a restaurant and someone gives it a one-star review and says the food was cold, I'll probably say, yep, I suspect that that happened. The food was probably cold. Mm -hmm. If I own that restaurant and my wife and I have our life savings tied up in that restaurant and I work in that restaurant every day and all weekend, and when it's closed, I'm doing renovations in the back, and, and someone says, the food was cold. What I hear is, you're failing in your life. And I hope that you go out of business. And that seems extreme, but that is the emotional reaction. And you fall into one of those two categories. You're either someone who goes, eh, the place I work got a bad review, or you're like, I got a bad review. And, and so I put those two things forward as far as know that know that people expect reviews to have negative or businesses to have negative reviews. But then also, I think it's important to think about the self-identity aspect of some of these reviews, especially, man, you, I mean, you've seen, you've seen doctors when they are personally called out in a negative review and how it affects them. It's, it's not a, just a passive business transaction. It's, it's a critique of their life you know, and their livelihood and their education, all these things. And man, it can affect them deeply. And so that's the duality of online reviews. And that's what we're managing against when we start to talk about protocols and how do we approach and what boundaries do we set? So that's the headspace that I want to put forward to start off. Okay. I love it. And it makes, it makes total sense. And I think it's a very healthy way to look at it because I think if we look at it from that place of taking it personally, it's very easy for online reviews and both our responses as well as our process for how to deal with them to become very unhealthy. Yes. Because we are taking it personal. And so we're, you know, it's, it's very easy to step over that line. And so I think that the headspace is so, so important. And, and where we really get in trouble 
the practice is when those two perspectives collide. So let's say that I own the vet practice and am the veterinarian and you, Stephanie, are my manager and we both become aware of this online review. Let's say that it's your job to respond to online reviews and you're like, you know what? It's Saturday afternoon. I'm at the park with my kids. And meanwhile, I'm across town in the vet clinic after hours working and I'm losing my mind going, why hasn't she responded yet? What, you know, and in my mind, the world is looking at this review. It's getting like upvoted on Reddit and, you know, CNN is going to break to coverage at any moment. Like that, that's that's the ridiculous stuff in my head. You know what I mean? And so that's when I really see people like that. That's when I see the biggest drama in practices is you have people who are in that category, whether it's the owner of the business or the person who's called out in the review and they are aware of it and they are having an existential crisis. Right. And then the other person who's involved in this is like, look, you know, she said that her dog didn't like you, you know, and that you said he was bad. And you're like, he was bad. And we're like, okay, that's what you said. like we'll 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 deal with it on Monday. Yeah. That's that's the conflict that I see a lot. Yeah, totally. So I think for me, the step number one is there has to be a process and there has to be a protocol. Yes. And and your clinic needs to have one. And so this is where if you don't have one, you need to sit down. The the practice owner, if you are in a corporate practice, ask what the expectation is. What it how, what do what do we want to do? What do we want our protocol to be for addressing reviews? What is the expectation? Because if you don't ask as as a manager or as a team member, if if that's your responsibility as a team member to be in charge of responding to reviews, you need to know what the expectation is. Because if the practice owner has it in their mind that you turn on notifications and that you're replying to reviews, you know, within hours of receiving them 24 seven, that's an expectation that I would want to know about if that was part of my job, because I would (laughs) want the ability to have input on the fact that I personally find that to be bullshit and it would not be something that I would want to take on, but you do you like, you have to have the conversation. And so if you don't ask, what is the expectation it's going to set, it's going to set everybody up for failure. And also what is the system? What is the process and the protocol for responding to reviews? Are you using a third party service? Are you using kind of a canned response for everybody and modifying it? Are you individualizing the response to every single review? Are you asking them to call the practice? Are you picking up the phone? and responding to them. There's a whole myriad of things that go into what is the process and protocol for dealing with online reviews. And so it has to start with sitting down with the party who has that vested interest in the facts that the reviews get responded to and that they get responded to in a timely manner and the person or persons in the practice whose job responsibility it is to actually physically do the thing of responding to the reviews. So you and I are very much in different places on this, which is fine because we reach out our hand as we do to touch fingers. And when our fingers touch, the word expectations lights up like a firework, like I hope you're imagining the graphic that I'm laying out. It's it's kind of the- I, I'm the, picking up what you're putting down. Yeah. Okay, yeah, exactly. We're like, we're, we're far apart, but we still touch fingers and the word expectations appears. It, it, it is all about expectations because here I am, right? And again, I am a business owner. I am ha- I am internally very bothered by this conversation. Like, like because I'm going, oh, we're just going to wait until Monday. And you know what I mean? Like, oh, 
I can go either way on this. I, I really can. I can go either way on this. And we'll talk through kind of what the different options of expectations are. I don't think it's, you said that's bullshit. I'm like, it's not bullshit. I don't think it's unreasonable to, to have, if, if, the, if someone is in charge of responding to reviews or negative sm- social media stuff, to treat it like PR and be like, look, man, if we get a one-star review, I need this taken care of, you know, immediately. It's bullshit to not have that conversation up front and make sure that everybody is cool and we all understand that. And, and every everybody needs to be on the same page. This is not an expectation that comes out of the blue, but we need to talk about what that expectation is. And and if it's the, you know, 911 response and that's what everybody agrees to, I, I think that that's fine. I think there's some justica- justification for that. I also think there's a place in the middle. The big thing for me is, there needs to be a plan. If this thing happens, either we we wait until the next business day to deal with it, or we wait until the designated person is back in the office and does it, or we say, hey, this is a, a rare occurrence. We don't get a lot of one-star reviews. I mean, how many one-star reviews do we expect to get in a year or two, you know, maybe? Three. If this is like a weekly occurrence, you got bigger problems than than logistics of who's going to respond. Again, I don't. I I'm. I can go either way on what the expectation should be, and I'll tell you why I'm in a different place. I I was a young vet, and I had this case. Is these clients I was working with, and they were in all the time. And they had a dog that had GI problems. And they were those clients that over time, their, their, their little dog had like a 40 page medical record. I mean, it was, it was, it was, and we, it was, it was in, it was in paper. Yeah. It was in paper. It was a phone book that we passed around. So I'd worked with them and the dog had been fine. They had a whole pharmacy at their house. You know what I mean? Like at this point, they had acquired all of the medicine. And this little dog would eat something and get off kilter and then get back on kilter. And, right. And they called and I talked to him and they were like, you know, he's having some soft stools. And I said, well, you know, like, let's just change his diet, you know, to the bland food and blah, blah. I was, I was very kind of laissez-faire. And, and it, was, it was also in the way that it was presented was just, you know, he's having some more diarrhea. He has diarrhea every day, basically. Like, well, let's, let's, let's put him back on the bland food or let's add a probiotic and blah, blah. And I was, I did not say you should come in because they run all the time. And, you know, I just, I, I just, I just read it as that. Anyway, the dog goes ahead and gets sick and ends up coming in that night on emergency. And apparently the dog looked awful when it came in because it's a tiny dog. And so it can get off kilter. So I, I own that. I should have been more aggressive. Uh, I, maybe I should have taken it more seriously. And maybe it was the way it was presented to me. Just didn't seem, I, you know what I mean? Like, anyway, it's one of those things I still go back. It's been, it's been 10 years plus it's been 12 years and, I, st- I still go back and, and go, how did I, what, how did I miss this? But anyway, it's not important, how I say, but I did miss it. And they wrote an email after it happened and said they were very upset. And I went to them, the boss and I was obviously very bothered by this. And I, I, I felt awful on myself. I didn't know he was sort of being attacked. And of course I questioned like, I well, I, maybe I should have told him to come in. Why didn't I do this? And so, so I was owning that. It's kind of like that, oh, that truth, you know, it's uh, the critiques when there's truth to them are, are the ones that really, uh, that really get you. And so, so I was feeling that and I went to my boss and he said, you know what, let's just let him calm down for a while. And he didn't respond and he told me not to respond. And that's when things really went off the rails. You know what I mean? Was was when after a day or two, they had not heard anything. And apparently they had just gotten more and more angry and they had told more and more people and made this into a big thing. And I regretted not engaging with this angry person. You know what I mean? And it was it was uh, it was a good lesson. You know what I mean? Everything worked out fine. You know, it, it, it but it's one that I look back and go, boy, that was uncomfortable. That was not what I think I want to uh, repeat. And so I always have this knee-jerk reaction towards don't let them stew. 
engage with angry people. And here's the thing from a from a manager perspective, why I'm at the opposite end of the spectrum is that mm-hmm. I feel like people need to be heard, but there is extreme value in not engaging with the angry person in that moment. Because mm-hmm. I think there's a difference between a week before mm-hmm. you're responding to them and giving them a day to calm down before you have the conversation. Because when you talk to a person in the heat of the moment, a lot of times there is not rational and it becomes easier. Like this manager indicated, I I know what my response would be right now. And it's probably not going to be very nice. Like I see a lot of that too on online reviews where a a business owner, I see it with restaurants and stuff all the time where the business owner gets mad and and they'll just respond to the review and they pop off and say things that they might not have said they might still have said them later but they they might not if they had given it a couple of hours to just let everybody cool off and so I think for me there is a fine line but a, a very important distinction between expecting an instantaneous response versus an appropriate professional business timeline yeah Oh yeah, yeah, totally, and th- and that is definitely true. That that is the biggest mistake people make with on with online reviews is a defensive or emotional response. That is as how you really detonate it. Let, let, let's let's or, so let's organize it. So you and I both agree that you need to have expectations. And we also talked about the headspace of how people feel differently about online reviews. So my position on the timeliness with which we respond comes down to the mode of communication. A Google review or a Yelp review that goes up that's not meant to be interacted with, I'm definitely with you, a 24-hour period or a little bit of a wait time, they post it. They're not expecting an immediate response. It's not a social, you know, a a social platform. If they post it, uh, if there are posts on social media in a local Facebook group and things things like that, that is very time sensitive because other people are responding to it. Mm -hmm. And I do think that if you're going to step in and say, hey, please give us a call to discuss this, then then doing that sooner rather than later is important if you want to engage with it. Yeah. And I think that's where that's where for me, it becomes messy and hard because a lot of times stuff like that starts in this is why sometimes I hate social media because a lot of times this, that kind of stuff starts in forums that I'm not in. And so sometimes it takes days before I hear about it because the well-intentioned client is like, Hey, did you know in this obscure Facebook group that I've never heard of, they're talking total crap about the clinic because of something that happened with another client. And now it's been a week of people going back and forth and the pitchforks coming out before I even get to it. And so then at that point, it becomes almost more difficult when we jump in because then you get the, well, it's been a weekend. Why are you just now responding? And of course you're defending yourself. So for me, that actually, I have strong emotions about that as a, as a manager. And that's honestly, a lot of times those are the kind of situations where I go to people who do social media for industry and outside of industry. But that's the kind of question that I pick up the phone and phone a friend. And I ask someone like Caitlin DeWild and I'm like, Hey, Caitlin, this is the situation with my clinic because I want to make the right move because that's, that's not something I'm not dealing with that day in and day out. And so when it happens, that's often the kind of thing that I want a second opinion on. I want to know like, what is the, what is the right approach for that? But that's the thing I, I struggle with from a timeliness perspective. You know, if someone's posting on their own personal social media, if they're posting on the clinic social media page, that's a different story because I have access to that. And that's something that I can shut down right away. But a lot of times that is not where we're, 
where people who have an ax to grind are bringing the fight. Right. They're bringing the fight in forums that you don't necessarily even have access to until you know that it's happening. Yeah. Uh, and and I, de- I definitely agree. Uh, and and I, I absolutely hear that. And, and it's not it's not our job to get out and troll for these things. You know what I mean? And truth is, I, I spend less and less time on social media overall. It's just not a happy place to be. And I, I don't want to troll and, and look for people. Sl- if you want to find people saying bad things about you or your business, you could always find that. Honestly, if you if you really want to go look, you can you can find it. Um, and so that that's never going away. Here, I guess here's where I want to go with these sorts of reviews and and things like that. And and it happens on the weekend. I think we need to we need to know that these reviews affect people who are who feel their identity tied to them pretty significantly. And I wish I had an easy fix for that. I, and I can just say, just let it go. Trust me, I know that sometimes it is real hard to let it go. And that's just one of those easy things to say, but it makes you feel really awful when you are called out in this, right? I also know that I want to minimize the number of times that, that my managers or other people have to jump in and respond to things on their day off. There's a there's a spectrum that goes all the way from my uh, my manager never does anything on his or her day off. And if the building burns down, they're still not coming in until Monday to my manager is on call all the time. And she's getting texts from the staff and the team and is stressing and straining her family life. And that's the other end of the spectrum. And neither end of those spectrum is okay. I think we need to be more in the middle towards the she doesn't come in until the next day, right? But but I think it's important to have the to have those conversations and also to to figure out like what's going on. One of the things that I think is really important, and again, that 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 strikes up that conflict between the person whose self-identity is being attacked and the person whose role it is to respond is awareness, right? Here, here's the thing. I guess here, here's the thing. We should have a plan of, of how these things get handled. My advice to business owners and to doctors is that if you are not the one who responds to these things, you should unsubscribe from all the alerts. And people go, but I want to know what they're saying about my business. And I'm like, you know what? If it's super important, you'll find out. And, and really, and that's and that's a boundary issue for me because as someone who who lives their life on social media and, and has a lot of uh, media outlets and on all the social media platforms and things like that, we get, I mean, we get a million, we get uh, two million social media users a month plus, you know, and a lot of them have negative things to say. I, I cannot be on call for that. You know what I mean? I can't. I don't want to be. And so I'm going to I'm going to turn it off there. It's funny because here's here's the thing I found again and again with the Facebook group example that you gave where you're like, there's this random group and everyone's rallying and they have pitchforks and 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 torches. As time has gone on, I have found more and more of those things a month after they happened. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, huh. No idea this was going on. You know what I mean? My schedule was not affected at all. No one actually came to the clinic and said anything or called me. My life was in no way affected by the fact that this happened four weeks ago. None. Thank God I didn't see it because it would have ruined a week for me freaking out about it. And guys, I just, and that's one of my big things on social. I just want to hammer on more and more and more. And it's why I started off with the headspace of like, no one believes in five-star reviews and everyone expects there to be negative reviews is this stuff just doesn't matter as much as we like to think that it does. It, It really doesn't. So you get this emotional reaction when you get into it. But the truth is, uh, unless there's some horrible, you know, animal abuse, things like 
like that, something really truly awful, for the most part, it's sound and fury signifying nothing. Like, and you hear it like clinics that get cyberbullied. I talk to a lot of those vets and a lot of those clinics because, you know, supporting those people is something that I'm I'm really interested in. And it's amazing that just again and again and again, like the, one of the nicest things I can do for somebody who's in that position is connect them with someone who's already been through it. And then you say, tell me what happened to your business. And they're like, oh, nothing. You know what I mean? It was a nightmare for a month or two months. But then ultimately, everything went back to the way that it was and the bullies moved on and blah, blah, blah. I, I just I just feel like a lot of this stuff, it hits these emotional buttons for us. Right. But it's really not. Uh, it's really not affecting your business the way that you think it is. You know, I think the, the, the true answer to all of this is work hard to get positive reviews and to have people who want to say nice things and generally just go on with your life. Well, and I think that the other piece of that for me is I, as a consumer, I look at how does the business handle the fact that we are human and we Mm. make mistakes. And so for me, it's about, it's less about the bad review as it is about how is the clinic or how is the business responding to that? Are they, are they owning up to it when they make mistakes? You know, I have no problem acknowledging, you know, I am so sorry that that was your experience. That's never our intention. If I see a business putting out there that they are humans and that they make mistakes, it is so much easier for me to cruise past the, the negative, the one or two mm-hmm. negatives than if the business's response is ranting and raving or, you know, being giving the emotional response to the problem. And so, you know, that for me is a lot of it. And that's, that's also where I feel like it is okay to create a system where you have, maybe you have a response process that is someone immediately responds to the reviews, but I think it's okay for the response to be our office is closed on weekends. We will have our manager reach out to you on Monday, you know, to, to talk through your concern. I think that that's a super valid response that falls more in the middle of me dropping everything to deal with it. And I hate to say this, Andy, and this is where, this is where we we're probably on opposite ends of the spectrum. I've been that manager that Mm -hmm. worked 60 hours a week and that's been on call 24 seven and been expected to respond to the things. And I don't feel like I did. I don't think feel like it changed anything any more than now, which is turn the notifications off. And I have it set up so that there's an auto response that says, you know, thank you for your feedback. We will have someone reach out to you first thing when we reopen on Monday and set that expectation for the clients that we're not going to respond when we're closed. You know, and I understand that they may have an emergency. Here's the here's the emergency center's number. Like there is a boundary for us as a practice. There's boundary for me as a manager. And I for me, like when I when I think about that, I think that it's okay, And I think that people understand that. And I was amazed when I first started doing it. I thought, oh, God, clients are going to lose their, you know, lose their minds when I tell them I'm not going to respond to them. But I can't tell you how many replies I got to emails that I sent to a client who sent, you know, a, an email that was upset or whatever, where I just said, hey, I'm out of the office. I'm at a conference or it's, you know, it's the, it's my day off. I will respond to you when I am back in the office. I just wanted you to know that I got the email. The answer is always, thank you. I didn't expect an immediate response. I yeah. really appreciate it. You know, and so I, I don't think that people are most of the time unrealistic. No, I agree. I think that we need to set up a system that allows everybody, the clinic, 
from the owner to the team to have a reasonable expectation for response time. But I don't think that the response time needs to be immediate. So I so I agree completely. You put your finger right on it. It's it's called perceived response time. And so so when we I talk with angry clients or talk about angry clients and stuff, what the research has shown is that the perception that we are receiving the complaint and working on the complaint is much more important than us actually resolving the complaint. And so I am 100% with you. So here's here's where you and I would come together. So I think the exercise is in our, in our fantasy vet clinic that I own and I'm the doctor and you are the manager. What I would probably try to do with you is, first thing I would do is I would say, hey, look, you're, you're in charge of reviews. I am turning off the notifications. You know what I mean? Because what happens is the client always writes you. They, get, they have too much to drink and they write you on Saturday night and it tanks your Sunday. And it just does. And you know, there's nothing you could do about it. And the truth is it's not going to affect your business anyway. You know, um, it's really not. And so I, I just need to not know. Where we get in trouble is when I know that there has been this attack and I'm and all of my um, caveman tribal status instincts are flaring and I want to duel to the death to protect my honor. Um, and, and you're trying to have your day off with your family. That's a recipe for disaster. And so I'm with you. I, I, I truly think the best response looks like me as the emotional part of this. I have delegated this to you. I need to get out of it because otherwise I'm only setting myself up for problem. And so I'm turning off uh, alerts. I will look at Google reviews when I think about it and see how we're doing, which is honestly the healthiest way I think to look at it. If you are on it. You are going to pay attention. I don't think there's anything wrong with having the expectation of, hey, if this comes in, then our policy is to, um, you know, if it looks like a reasonable, if it looks reasonable or it looks like a legitimate complaint, then our policy is to respond and say, hey, uh, we've received your feedback. Uh, we will reach out on our next business day to, to discuss and see how we can address this. Thank you. Bam. That's it. Be done. Be gone. But here's the thing. I don't want to know about it. I, and, and again, I'm not saying that other people do, uh, but I would say to you, don't tell me about it. Just just address it. And then you and I can talk about it on Monday and we will figure out how to how to uh, how to approach it. But I just know for me and myself, I, I don't I don't want to know about it unless um, unless it's something that you feel like is urgent and immediate. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I that's for me, I think it's reason why I said in the beginning, in the beginning, like it's bullshit and I would want to do it is because I think that it's fair to say, you know, I think you're, you hit the nail on the head when you said that they get frustrated and then you always hear about it on Sunday. I think it's fair to say if Sunday is my only day of the week off, I'm not going to work on my day off and I'm not going to respond to things like that. And I think that it's fair to put those boundaries in place. But what is not okay is where there is an unspoken expectation on either side mm -hmm. um, from a practice owner, from a practice manager, from a team member whose job it is to do the thing. And the person who has the emotional vested interest in it to have an expectation and not communicate that. And so that's that's why for me, it's so important to sit down and say, what is our plan? What is our process? What is our protocol? Automate some of that stuff, you guys. There, there, are, there are things and programs 
programs out there now where you can automate some of those responses. So clients get that response that says, you know, thank you so much for your feedback. Our office is currently closed. A member of our management team will reach out to you, you know, upon return on our next business day. Set up a process that allows that to happen so that there are boundaries in place and everybody can not work on their time off. Because I will tell you that I have become a significantly more efficient manager and a much happier person because I turned off the notifications yeah. on my phone. I turned off my work email. I was on call because I thought that that made me a better manager to be instantaneously responding to all of these things. And all it did was run me faster into the ground than having healthy boundaries. And it's really hard. I mean, I work on a regular basis with, with a therapist that I pay a lot of money to, to help me set those boundaries for, my, mm-hmm. for myself and figure out how do I have a balance between not giving any response at all and being unresponsive to, cl- to clients and the needs of the clinic and also being able to have healthy boundaries. And so I think, I think clients understand that there are boundaries. And I think it's just as important for us to set them for the clients as it is for us to set them for each other. Yeah. It's funny how, um, how whenever we start talking about this stuff, people's imaginations run wild. Um, it's, it's like a lot of political conversations where people jump to theoretical examples. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, this. Um, I get the, I, I, I'm totally with you. I, I, think, I think doing less is uh, the way of the future. I, I really do. I think what I would need to hear as a business owner is what I need to hear is um, if there, there's a difference between negative reviews and PR disasters where I'm going to show up on Monday and the news crew is going to be there. I think what I, what I need to know is, or I, I guess what I would want to, what I want to know is if you see something and it looks like PR disaster news crews coming in, I, I, I want to believe that you'll be in the foxhole with me on Sunday. You know what I mean? And my expectation is that will never happen. Please, God, let that never happen. That that will never happen. You know what I mean? And also just looking at the reality too and saying, we don't get a lot of one-star reviews, you know, uh, a couple of times a year. You know what I mean? I, I guess the, the outcome I would look for is this stuff is not generally as important as you think it is. And I think for me as a boss, I want to come up, I think clear expectations are the key. And I think at some point, I, I think you as a manager, and you know this about, about me, Stephanie, is like, if you and I were doing this, I want you to have your boundaries and I want you to go home and I want you to be with your family and I don't want you to get pulled into this. At the same time, I think I want to hear that if everything went crazy and like, you know what I mean? And CNN was choppering over the vet clinic. I would not hang up on you because it's Sunday. You know what I mean? And I feel like that that's kind of the balance for most of us is clear expectations. But, um, you know, as I said, it, it's, uh, it's all about sort of identity and the way that we see these things. Well, and I will tell you that you're, you're totally right. And there's a reason for that. I mean, I've had, I've had some, inst- I had an instance recently actually where there was some feedback from a client and my medical director got the feedback because I wasn't there. And it was, it was, we screwed something up and this client needed to hear back from us. And at the same time, there was also some unreasonable pushiness from the client. Mm-hmm. And so all that the the people who were emotionally invested in it needed to hear that I was going to deal with the problem. And all it took was me saying, I, I hear that I'm going to shoot her a quick email right now and let her know I'm out of the office, but that I will call her on Monday and we will take care of this. You know, we will take care of making sure that she feels heard and that the situation gets resolved the best that we can. That was all it took for not only the, the client to feel diffused, because as I said, that was a great example of where I got a response from the client almost immediately saying, 
saying, I didn't actually expect a response. So thank you. Monday will be just fine. And for the person who was emotionally invested in it to feel heard and say, thank you. I really, you know, I know you're off. I really appreciate it. I just need to know that this isn't going to fall through the cracks because this comes back on me and it's important to me. And so this is where communication is our friend on both sides and where we can set boundaries and we also can still accomplish the thing that needs to be accomplished. And so it really is it really is about communication and setting clear expectations about what the process is going to be, who's going to do what, what the expectations are. Don't wait until the expectations aren't met to have the conversation. Yeah. I, I so I think you're I think you're exactly right. And you, and you you put your your finger right on it as well and like I don't think it has to get resolved either from my side either. You know what I mean? As the person who's called out in the review, I don't expect you to use your Sunday to try to fix this in some way. You know what I mean? I think my caveman brain wants to hear, this is not falling through the cracks. This is important. This is, I am on it and it's going to get taken care of. And so I think coming out of this back in our imaginary vet clinic, I think what I would probably, the deal I'd probably want to do with you, the expectations I would want to set is I am not going, I am not going to spend my life trolling and looking for uh, negativity about our practice because it's not helpful. And I am going to focus on running a good business and supporting my team and not micromanaging. And you are going to take over on this. If there's negative feedback, then we will have a mechanism, whether it's an auto response or some sort of a post that says we've received this feedback, we are going to uh, circle up on Monday and we will reach out to you to see if we can address it. Thank you very much. And that will be it. I don't need to be made aware of that. If we cross the boundary from negative feedback to PR addition, a PR nightmare, you know. Shoppers are over the clinic. Yeah, Yeah, local news is outside. You will let me know. And at that point, we will consider an emergency situation and we will address it together. And that will hopefully never, ever, ever, ever. I I love it. I, I I would give you I would give you a big hug and just be like, that's a good plan that I can live with. <laughs> and so guys, what's so you know what's funny about this episode is this is about as real as you and I are when we work through pro- like this is how it comes from. And you get like I go, I'm not with you, Steph. And and then and then we talk around it and ultimately say, Okay, Andy, I, I hear your emotional desires of having the or emotional concerns of having the business attacked. Uh, you know what I mean? Of you being the one getting called out. I still need my boundaries and you want me to have these boundaries and you want me to have this recharge time so that I can be at my best. I think it's always great when we gotta show people how we actually work. And this is pretty much exactly how we actually work. Well, and I love it because there's no there should be no difference between how you and I actually work. And even though we're, you know, running Uncharted together with the rest of the team, and it's not a veterinary clinic, there should be no difference between that kind of relationship. And the same, you and I would have very much the same kind of relationship if you were working as Dr. Andy in your clinic, and I was working as a manager in your clinic, because this is how you and I both are as people. And so I think for me, there's no difference in how I should or do interact with my colleagues in the clinic, whether it's a practice owner or a medical director or our corporate field leadership, that this kind of conversation is the one to be had, because you're going to figure out where are you guys on the spectrum? Are you at one end and they're at the other? Are you closer to than you are apart? Where do you each stand? What are the concerns that each party has? And then what is the plan to address it? And how are we going to move forward? That's the important part. Yeah, I would be thrilled with this in person if this was our imaginary clinic. 
And and that sounds like a, a very reasonable plan that works for ownership and for management and for everybody involved. And then let's 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 put it let's put it down. Let's write it down uh, as our procedure. And then let's roll on to the next issue. Maybe we should open a vet practice. <laughs> Maybe in our free time. World one vet practice at a time. <laughs> what a what a fun place to work it would be. All right. I love this one. I hope that it helps some of our friends who may be wondering like how to deal with this. Oh, totally. I hope everybody has a great week. I am going to sign off because my kids are chomping at the bit to leave for the uh, gymnastics practice. And um I'm sure you've got things to do with your day as well. Well, it's awesome that they like to watch you do gymnastics. I think that that's fantastic. (laughs) Right. (laughs) All right, my friend. Thanks for being here. Guys, everybody have a wonderful rest of your week. Yeah, we'll talk to you later on. All right. Take care, everybody. Well, that's a wrap on another Hall of Fame episode. Um, (laughs) We will be back at our regularly scheduled time and channel next week with new content for you guys. I promise I won't let the dog eat my homework two weeks in a row. We'll see you then. Take care, everybody. Have a fantastic week. 